Welcome to the Better Than Healthy podcast, where I help you go beyond the numbers and rules you were taught about health to create the results that you really want, feeling better, consistently taking care of yourself, and loving yourself more. I'm your host, Ashley Brathman. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am happy you're here, and this week is going to start a series I want to do on the podcast about gentle nutrition topics. So really what that means is I just want to provide a little bit of nutrition education around some of our basic topics because, I mean, it's a big area and to really go over because there's so much mixed information out there around even just like the simple things like carbohydrates, which is what we're going to talk about in today's episode. So this series won't necessarily all be in a row and I don't, it'll probably be ongoing for the duration of this podcast because there's always going to be nutrition topics we can talk about. I know for sure I want to do some of the basics and I'll probably be mixing in other topics still. So it's probably not going to be every week that we'll be talking about this topic, but wanted to let you know that this series is coming. Because I also know that these are some of the more popular episodes when we are talking about some of the gentle nutrition topics. So I wanted to give you guys what you are kind of seem to be the most interested in. And you can always, as a reminder, you can always reach out to me, email me, and let me know if there's something you specifically want to learn about, and I'll cover it. So our first three topics for gentle nutrition. Not saying their next three weeks, I haven't decided that yet, but the first three will be our macronutrients. So what a macronutrient is, is it's a food nutrient that provides calories. So there's only three of them. Those are carbs, fats, and proteins. So they're also, uh, they're larger because they're more complex because they're also providing calories. And so that's what provides us energy is macronutrients. And a lot of foods that have macronutrients also have micronutrients, which micronutrients, which another difference is the quantity that we need these things into. Macronutrients, we need a lot more than we need of vitamins and minerals, which are micronutrients. And our macronutrients, carbs, fats, and protein, we need all three of these in our diet. And I'm going to start with carbs because I know they're one of the ones that can be a little bit more fearful. People get more concerned about them. I also feel like there's so much in misinformation out there about carbs because a lot of people, when I talk to them, when we're talking about what foods are carbs, they always go to the first ones, the ones that are villainized a little bit more, which are, are grains or sugar. And they don't even realize a lot of the healthy foods, well, they might realize now because they're over the past year or so has been this movement against fruit because it has sugar in it. But really our carb foods are grains, fruits, vegetables, legumes, like beans, chickpeas, that category, and things that are more broken down like sugar. And really carbohydrates, when our body breaks them down, they're all broken down into sugar in our body because sugar is the fuel source that our body can use. Our body is not taking a carrot and using the carrot itself as fuel. It has to break it down into the different components that are there. So it breaks it down into the glucose because that's what's stored. That's what is moved around our body. That's why it goes to blood sugar because that is the way it is stored and transported to and where our body has to digest it down to. And then also the other vitamins, minerals, same for fat and protein too. It has to be broken down into smaller pieces to be transported throughout the body. 
Which brings us to a couple of terms that you may have heard before because, I mean, they're pretty common that people are telling you to avoid simple sugars and to have complex sugars or complex carbs. And we're going to use a little bit of imagery to describe the difference between simple and complex carbohydrates. So I want you to imagine just drawing, or you can actually do this if you want to, if you have a piece of paper and a pen nearby, but I want you to imagine or actually do it draw three dots on the paper and then one line between each dot. It's not actually the chemical structure, but we're not going to have like an organic chemistry lesson in here. (laughs) But if you have those, a simple carb, there's just like these two things that they have to break. This is not the exact number and the exact structure. We're just going to use this as a basic example. But that's what your body has to break down is those two lines in order to have the simple carb. When you have a complex carb, I want you to imagine then taking like putting three dots down, put two rows of them, combined the three dots like we did the first time, do that to the second line, and then imagine a bunch of lines going between those two rows. So with the complex carb, that's really what it's doing is it's just as the name says, there's more lines, there's more structural things that our body has to digest and break down. So when people talk about having a complex carb that way, usually it's being promoted for having less impact on blood sugar levels and for keeping you feeling full longer because it takes longer to digest. It's just saying that structurally they are different because our body has to break things down into that most basic component in order for it to be able to use it. So when you have something that has more structure to it, so if you want to use actual food, like if you were to eat the carrot versus, I don't know if you do this, but like if you just put straight sugar in your mouth, like that sugar is already pretty close to where your body could absorb it. There's very little digestion that needs to happen in comparison to like having a carrot. So what that does is it allows your body to move it through digestion a lot quicker, absorb it into your blood a lot quicker, get it where it needs to go quicker Versus a carrot, you have your body needs to spend more time breaking down each of those different connections in order to absorb it. And each of these things have their purpose. Like a simple carb is really good, especially if you're having like feeling like your blood sugar is low. You want something that your body can absorb more quickly if you need a quicker source of energy like that. Whereas if you have something that is more complex, if you're not having oil blood sugar, you can have that and it can help you stay full longer because it takes longer to digest. Because typically foods that are more complex carbs, they have something in them called fiber. And fiber is this, it gives structure to a lot of plant foods. It's even in bread, some of because from the grains, but it's something that adds a lot of complexity. It takes a lot longer for our body to digest. And actually there's a a lot of fiber that our body doesn't actually have the enzyme to go in there and digest it. So fiber has a different function. It's in carb foods, but it adds a lot of that slower digestion that in a good way. And fiber is really amazing. I could probably do an entire one of these episodes just on fiber, but if we do it quickly, 
So fiber really adds complexity to food, making it harder for our body to break it down quickly. It slows down the actual transit and movement of food from our stomach to our small intestine to our large intestine. And while as humans, we might not have the enzyme to break that down, the bacteria that lives in our gut are healthy gut microbiome. I know it sounds gross if you haven't heard that there are bacteria in our gut before, but they're there and they actually play important roles and we have a very beneficial relationship with them. Obviously, sometimes it can be unhelpful if the wrong type of bacteria grow, but plants and fiber provide nourishment for the healthy bacteria, which is because they can break them down, they can digest them, and they can help to support the growth of good bacteria and keeping a healthy balance to our gut. Fiber also, you know, promotes regularity in bowel movements. It draws more water to it. And it has this really cool effect on cholesterol levels because it can bind to different materials and liquids that come out of our digestive tract. And it can be beneficial to cholesterol. I'm trying to decide how far into the weeds I'm going to get on this because I don't want to information overload you, but just so it's a little bit more specific in case you've never heard that cholesterol or fiber is good for cholesterol levels is our body uses the low LDL cholesterol, which is the bad ones that are more likely to form plaques and our body uses it to produce a digestive enzyme called bile and cholesterol or fiber can bind to and pull more bile out so that way it's not being reused which then our body has to pour more LDL out of our blood and other areas of our body to produce more bile which is why having a high fiber diet is associated with improvements for heart health. And I do want to add that it is an association. It's not like exact causation, but it does have the effect on the body. And of course, fiber helps with fullness by slowing down our how quickly things are moving with our digestive tract, which can help us have more that feeling of sustained energy and feeling full between meals versus sometimes when we're having something that is a more simple carb, it can be absorbed more quickly and then our stomach reaches empty quicker, making our body ask for more food and producing those hunger cues. And that's not to say that one is good or bad or that one of the effects is bad, but as part of gentle nutrition is we can learn and understand what we do know about food and the different parts of food and how it impacts the body to then it can help inform our decisions because sometimes yes we can pay attention to specifically how foods and different foods are affecting our body and how we feel afterwards but I like information at least and I like knowing these things and it can be helpful in guiding food choices of being like oh well I wonder why it's having that effect on me and then with that you can start to pair things a little bit more like when you pair carbs with fat and protein, which would take a little bit longer to digest as well, which can slow down and impact how quickly our body is absorbing different nutrients. It's like we can start to use those pairings in a little bit more intentional way and understand why 
it's impacting us, which can help us just in understanding that impact that different food is having in our body. Because we never want to try to outsmart our bodies and like hack our bodies, do all this to overthink food. But we can really use that information in just helping our decisions. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time too talking about what our body uses carbs for. So we already talked a little bit about using it for energy, but wanted to mention that when our body breaks down into glucose, that is one of the few forms of energy that actually can be used for our brain and our central nervous system because of the blood-brain barrier. It can, when we don't have enough carbs, our body can use a process called ketosis, which if you've heard of people doing keto, you've probably heard of this before, but our body can break down fat and lipids and create ketones, which our body and our brain and such a nervous system can use because really what our brain is using is something called ATP which it can produce from ketones, it's just a much more inefficient process and it's a lot more difficult for our body, whereas it's going to be much more available and much easier for our body's preferred way to... preferred metabolism is with carbs. Because when we don't have enough carbs, our body has to break down protein and fat to produce the energy that we need, which carbs is the first place that it wants to go because there are other functions for fat and protein that our body is going to use them for first if enough carbs and energy is available because without enough carbs our body if we don't have the stores of it our body might break down muscle tissue it breaks down organs breaks down anything to get the energy that it needs to survive because our body really can't run completely on zero it is going to remove energy and break down cells in order to do that because we can't, our lungs won't work, our heart won't be if we don't have a fuel source for it. You don't get to choose where your body is going to pull stuff from because when we're fasting, it's like, oh, it'll, you know, go on those stores or I've heard people make the jokes of like, that they're not going to go, like, if they don't eat, they won't go, they won't starve because they have plenty of, like, a fat store. And I'm making those jokes. It's that we don't actually get to decide where our body is going to pull from. And sometimes it may pull from that, but sometimes it's going to pull from things like our muscle tissue. Because whenever we lose a pound, it's not 100% fat. It's muscle. It's orange tissue. It's sometimes fluids, too, which... It's not the same as breaking down for it, but that can be an extra part that comes off is just waste from some of the metabolic processes. And don't forget that a lot of carb foods contain the vitamins and minerals that our body needs. Other functions for carbs is it has a role in maintaining all of our different blood levels that we need, like our blood sugar level, regulating that and regulating our lipids moving throughout the body, all of that. Our bodies have always had carbs for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Our body has adapted and evolved to digest and utilize carbs. And we can see that in the metabolic processes and systems that our bodies have. So don't let people try to convince you that all foods with carbs are going to be bad for you. And 
And I wanted to share this with you too, because it made me laugh a little bit when I was looking at some articles before this episode. And in a PubMed article from 2023 was when it was last updated. And I want to read what one of the sentences in here is, which says that many people falsely believe that diets high in carbohydrates leads to the development of type 2 diabetes when in fact the opposite is true in data shows the risk of developing type 2 diabetes is lowered as the amount of calories from carbohydrates are increased. And that diets that are high in carbohydrates tend to increase sensitivity of insulin. And it just makes me laugh all of the misinterpretations around health and nutrition because there's so much gray area and people try to pinpoint specific foods, specific nutrients for everybody. Like this is something everyone should avoid or this is the one way everyone should eat because how many times have we flipped in the past few decades from carbs are bad, fat is bad, carbs are bad, fat is bad. It just keeps going back and forth and around and around all the time because, I mean, we're in the middle or maybe on the tail end now of have more fat in your diet and no carbs and very low carb diets. And then we've had the different eras of extremely low fat and everything fat free and focusing more on having carbs. I think we do this somewhat as a culture because we haven't been able to outsmart our bodies. We keep coming up with all these different ideas of like, let me do this. Let's try this. And none of it actually works for everybody because really if diets worked, we would all be done after the first diet. Whereas we really need to spend more time just focusing and connecting with our bodies and how food is actually impacting us as an individual. Because I could easily pull up another like peer-reviewed reputable study that will tell me how should limit carbs as much as possible. Which makes it very confusing when people are trying to follow evidence-based information because I could even go pose a question in, I'm in some dietitian groups where sometimes they'll ask different questions about how they'll handle things and you can get hundreds of different responses for different ways to do it, even from professionals in the space. Which is why it's so much more helpful to rely on yourself as the authority. So use other people for information. Use the experts for the research they're finding, for the information of being like, maybe this is something that is affecting me. Let me play around with this. Use that information from experts, but maintain that you're the decision maker for yourself and your body because nobody else knows what it's like to experience living in your body. They don't know what it's like when you eat a certain food and how that amount fits and feels for your body, body or that amount of exercise, whatever it is. Nobody else knows how that feels in your body except for you. And carbs are a lot of times villainized because when we can have this little temptation mindset around them or like this is tempting me or don't have this too much. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say that, oh, well, if I just let myself eat whatever I want, I would just drink soda and eat candy all the time and have pizza. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I would be recording this podcast episode from some island somewhere because that's what everybody expects. They expect when they're not dieting, when they're not being intentional about following a healthy lifestyle, that then they're going to do stuff like that, where it's just eating foods that they don't allow themselves to eat when they are being healthy. But the question I always want them to consider is, how would you feel if all you ate was soda, pizza, and candy. Because there's nothing wrong with those foods, but I know if that's all I ate, 
I would not feel good at all. Like I would want just some water. I would want some veggies in the mix. I would want just some solid pieces of protein too. Because with that, it would just make me feel not good. Like I'd feel bloated. I would feel like I'd probably have heartburn. Would not have my energy levels all over the place and I would just feel terrible. So when we have that concern like, oh, then I'm just going to eat foods that aren't good for me all of the time. It's like if those foods are available to you, you're not going to want them all the time. You know, we have flavor fatigue too, where if we're always eating the same thing, we're always allowed to have it. We're not going to just want to eat the same thing every single time. And if you've never allowed yourself just to eat the same food, all the time, like the foods that you want, then you may think like, oh, I would never get tired of eating this food. But trust me, I've thought that in the past before too. And I've had that concern before and heard that concern before, but it's never the case because we do have flavor fatigue. We like the variety because we get different nutrients from different foods. I hope you found this general overview of carbohydrates helpful. I hope it wasn't too much information given at once. Maybe I'll try to break these down even further in the future, but I probably will still cover fat and protein in a larger way in just like an overview episode um, sometime in the upcoming weeks or months. And because I do want to have these gentle nutrition focused episodes mixed in as well. And I hope you found it useful. If you have any questions or want any clarification, always feel free to email me. And I can help to cover that in a future episode or let you know the answer to your question. All right. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Better Than Healthy podcast. If you want to learn to trust yourself around foods, you can stop overeating and feel more comfortable in your body. I want to invite you to join my coaching program. Come visit me at foodpeacenutrition.com to learn more.